Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined on the phone from a snowy Yonkers, New York by our newest uh, Baseball America writer, Justin Coleman. Justin uh, put together the Tigers top 10 for us. Uh, Justin, this was an interesting system uh, in the sense that there were already some pretty good prospects. They had the number one overall pick in Casey Mize. Was there really any debate uh, for you in your discussions with scouts and evaluators about Mize being number one in this system? Yeah, I mean, I think Mize, you know, is the guy that really did stick out. I think, uh, you know, Tigers people and even executives around the game, they really do point at Matt Manning as another guy who's really, if Mize is number one, Matt Manning is 1A. You know, I think that people like him enough to the point where uh, he's got that kind of pedigree in their system to say that, hey, look, he's one of the top pitching prospects in the game. So even though I did put Mize 1, and I think deservedly so, uh, that's really no knock, I think, on uh, Matt Manning, you know, because I think Matt Manning has really turned himself into a guy that can pitch, and he's going to add value, I think, pretty quickly for Detroit. In regards to Mize, this is someone who was well-regarded going into his junior year, but really took off to a new level. Uh, he had missed some time with a flexor strain as a sophomore, but in 2018, he was pretty easily, you know, the, the, the top performing pitching prospect uh, in the nation right. as far as the draft was concerned. And then you know, right. even, it seemed like he had really established himself as the number one overall pick almost by April. Um, you know, mm-hmm. big picture, what can Tigers fans expect from Casey Mize, you know, two, three years down the road? Yeah, well, yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I think this year, you know, he obviously cemented himself as that as that one one guy. And I think for the Tigers fans, you know, what you're looking at with Mize, you're looking at a guy that's polished, he's advanced, he's going to move quickly, he should move quickly. You know, this is a guy that's got a premium fastball, and he pairs that with a double-plus splitter. And I think that uh, the other pitches as well that he has are also coming along. He features a a slider and a bit of a cutter, and the cutter is already a pretty quality pitch for him. So when you talk about across the board, you talk about a guy that not only features the pitchability and the polish, but the guy that's also got the premium stuff to back it up. And I think so long as he, you know, he proves his health, I think you are looking at a front-end ace type for the, for the Tigers in the near future. You know, probably, as you said, just a couple of years down the road. It shouldn't be too long for him. I think he should advance rather quickly once he starts to uh, accumulate more innings. Now, we say that, but obviously all pitching prospects uh, are, are a little bit volatile. What are the biggest right. things he needs to work on right now, and what could potentially hamper him from reaching that ceiling? Yeah, so I, I would say it's two things. I think, you know, as, as you referred to, the injury history is obviously one that could easily hamper him. Uh, you know, there, there is a volatility with that. I think as well for any young pitcher, you're talking about just polishing up the delivery. Uh, you know, when you get the delivery and the consistency and everything's more repeatable, there's just a higher likelihood he's going to move quickly, he's going to be able to attack the strike zone better, and he's going to be able to advance and kind of reach that top-notch potential. 
you know, I think those are kind of the two things you're looking at with my is where you say, hey, you know, if this guy doesn't make it, you're looking at the injury history and you might be looking back at the delivery and trying to iron that out a little bit more in order for him to kind of make that next jump. You know, the last time the Tigers picked in the top five, they also went with a college pitcher who uh, moved pretty quickly, and that was a guy named Justin Verlander back in 2004 with the second overall pick. Uh, Verlander was picked second overall in 04, made his major league debut in 05, and by 2006 was the rookie of the year. Now, obviously, we don't want to compare anyone to a Hall of Famer, and that's what Justin Verlander will be. But is right. there an, a scenario where you see Mize moving simil similarly as quickly, you know, in the majors a after one year and, and possibly contending for rookie of the year by year two? Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good question. You know, as you said, you know, you don't want to compare anybody to Justin Verlander. But I think from even a strategic management standpoint and roster standpoint, I think knowing Mize's injury history, I don't quite know that they would push him that much and kind of let him off the hook and let him really just run up to the big leagues that fast. I'm really not sure on that. I think that's questionable just due to the, the flexor strain with the elbow. You know, that problem might um, cause Tigers people, you know, a little bit of pause, you know, in terms of his development. But, uh, you know, yeah, this is a guy that obviously, you know, he's got the stuff. He could easily do it. You know, but I think uh, with where the Tigers are at right now as a franchise, they might be best suited to kind of, you know, take it uh, one step at a time with him and kind of let him prove himself and then and then move on up as he uh, as he progresses. So he's definitely uh, an exciting prospect, and and he went one one right. for a reason. And you know, there's also right. some years where there's some debate. Okay, who's the first overall pick? Really, it was pretty consensus across the board, and I think any time there's that level of conviction across the game from you know very smart baseball people, it's it's definitely a right. good sign. Yep. With that regard, you, know, you mentioned Matt Manning in some regards being considered almost one A. Uh, you know, Manning athletic bloodlines. His father played in the NBA. He was a pretty accomplished basketball player. Uh, funny story: my brother actually played him in high school basketball in, in California. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, it was pretty standout there. Uh, he's 20 years old, uh, finished the year in double-A this season, made the Futures game. You know, before this year, he had never thrown more than 51 innings in a season. Again, young high school arm, you want to take care of it. They turned him loose a little bit this year, gave him 117 innings. I mean, struck out 11.8 per nine. The walks were a little high, but still a 20-year-old in double-A missing bats like he did. Uh, just what were the biggest steps forward he took in his development this year, and where does he go from here uh, based on your conversations with people inside and outside the Tigers organization? Yeah, so that is a good point. Yeah, I think this year he took uh, a pretty big step forward. Um, I think for him, you know, the, the biggest difference, I think, was kind of using the fastball-curveball combo a little bit more. I think as guys kind of ride up into the minor leagues, into the upper minors, you know, as you mentioned with double A, you're really going to have to start mixing your pitch as well. You know, if you have a premium fastball, you're going to get guys out at the lower levels. But then all of a sudden, when you get up to that double A level, these guys can hit that. So I think for him, it was kind of slashing that plus curveball with the fastball. And then he also has a changeup that should be future average. Uh, so I think for me, the biggest thing for him was um, mixing his pitches developing a little bit more command, even though, as you noted, the walks still aren't great, but mixing the pitches and his perceived velocity. You know, this is a guy that his fastball plays up. It's got a little bit more bounce to it, considering he is, uh, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. This is a guy that's got good extension, so the perceived velocity really gets on hitters. 
So I think, you know, from that standpoint, that's kind of where he took the step forward. I would say his next step, I think, is just to have more consistency in terms of his overall control numbers at AA, and then I think he should be in the big leagues relatively soon. Mize one, Manning two, that much was clear cut. You went Isaac Paredes number three. How many players were really in consideration for that number three spot? Yeah, there was actually, yeah, that's a very good question. There was quite a few. Yeah, I think um, to me what stood out, I think for Paredes over some of the other guys, you know, over Franklin Perez, over Gaz Cameron, was really the uh, the age and the hit tool. I mean, the hit tool for him is, is premium. You know, this is a younger guy that was able to mash at double-A while he was there. And again, you know, considering where the Tigers are at right now, there's no real reason for them to exactly push him or um, – you know, hinder his development in any way. So I think with Paredes, what what did stick out to me was definitely the the plus hit tool in the future. I think was one that was that was big, and I think it kind of gave him the edge over a guy like Franklin Perez, who kind of had a bit of a down year. There was some injuries there with Perez, and then Daz Cameron. You know, Daz Cameron's a really nice player. He was challenged really hard this year. You know, he flew through different levels of the minors. He was a high A, double A, triple A, and he performs well. But I think people around the league kind of look at Daz more as a league average center fielder, uh, whereas, you know, Paredes with the, with the field to hit, uh, you know, is certainly exciting and somebody that deserves, I think, that three spot over the other guys. Were those the three guys that were in contention for the three spot, or was Bo Burrows in that mix as well? Yeah, I mean, Bo was, Bo was there too. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. I, I think Bo is definitely there. I think he's starting to kind of move and trend more positively. So that's a guy that's got, you know, four quality pitches, average command. Um, you know, there has been some talk about, hey, you know, is this maybe even a bullpen guy. I don't quite see that. I, I think he's going to be fine as a starter. Uh, but, he, yeah, he was definitely in that conversation as well. So, you know, you, we've, you've, we've got through six guys right here. And at least from the outside looking in, I think there's a pretty strong sense of, okay, these are the six who are the top six. Maybe you might quibble with right. the order, but that was the, the clear top six. Uh, you move into the 7 to 10 range. How much of a drop-off was there from that, maybe that number 6 to that number 7 spot? Yeah, there was, there was, there was a bit of a drop-off. And I think part of that drop-off, in my opinion, is, is not really only just talent-wise, but I just think there's a sense of uh, risk. There's just a higher risk with some of these guys on the 7 to 10 range. You know, Parker Meadows, the guy that... He's got some standout talent, you know, just taking him to draft tools, the athletic center fielder can really fly, can run well. Um, but that's a guy that's the, the risk is just very extreme with him. And I think that there was a drop off. You know, I think uh, Willie Castro is another guy, high risk, can hit, can play on both sides of the ball. But again, they're, they're, you know, th- those are guys that to me, I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't justify kind of putting them, you know, in the three, four, five range or even six range at all. Yeah, you know, one of the guys who's in the 7 to 10 range is Alex Fado, um, someone who, yeah. you know, when he was pitching for Team USA, I, I saw him in 2016, you know, he was the best pitcher on the mound for them, not Kyle Wright, not Brendan McKay. I mean, Alex Fado was yeah. the guy. Uh, then he has his yeah. knee injury at Florida, has a, a bit of a rough go, but it looked like it came back in the College World Series, and he was looking pretty fantastic there. Uh, but since he's gotten into pro ball, it's been very mixed results. Velocity's down, 90-mile-an-hour range. Mm-hmm. What kind of right. feedback were you getting on, on Alex? And, and, and frankly, how much faith is there that he can bounce back and become again the guy we saw that at one point looked like a potential top-10 pick out of Team USA? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, with <clears throat> with Alex Fido, yeah, you know, as you mentioned, it's kind of been a mixed bag. I think, yeah, when you look at the, the numbers here and you look at AA, you know, he kind of hit a bit of a speed bump there. Um, they are hoping, you know, I, I think around the Tigers people, you know, they, they do believe that he definitely has the stuff to be able to bounce back. Uh, they think that he has the pedigree, he has the quality. As you said, he pitched in college. He was an excellent pitcher, excellent on the amateur circuit. I think there is definitely hope and faith that he will, just because of his repertoire. Uh, you know, obviously, anytime you get the velocity dip, that is a concern. But then people will will oftentimes point at, hey, he does have a bit of an injury history. He did pitch pretty deep into uh, the college postseason. And so with that being said, they kind of point at, hey, you know, give him give him this time here, and he should bounce back. Um, you know, there's no reason to write him off as a prospect just yet or anything like that. But there definitely is, uh, you know, some work to be done, especially in the in the fastball category moving forward. Was there any sense for what I should say? Were you given any thoughts or reasons why we've seen the fastball velocity decline as it has? Because again, there was a point he was 93, 94 comfortably, and it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, um, the feedback I got <clears throat> was pretty inconsistent. You know, there were people that were claiming his fastball was 90, 91. I did get other reports that claimed that it was more 93, 94. Uh, they did point at his uh, amateur career. You know, they did point at how heavily he worked uh, in recent seasons on the amateur circuit, how much he pitched, the innings he accrued, how deep he pitched into the postseason. And that was really the, the reasoning I was able to find out as to why they think this is happening. Um, but they do think, and, you know, there is, there is faith that he has enough talent to, to be able to, to bounce back in that, in that area. You know, one guy on this list that did reach the majors last year uh, was Kristen Stewart. This has been one of the loudest bats in the system for a couple of years now. Uh, big left-handed power consistently get on, gets on base. Uh, I actually had some feedback uh, that from some evaluators that did like him over uh, some of the guys who are ranked higher on this list. Uh, but just overall, you know, with, with Kristen... What's the feedback you got, mainly on his defense? Because that's always been the question with him. He, he can big right. left-handed power. He gets on base. Uh, but where is his defensive development at right now? Yeah, so, you know, as you said, I mean, he's definitely a bat-first guy. You know, it's, it's a big, big power profile. That's what he's going to do. That's how he's going to, you know, make himself into, uh, you know, a big league product and stick at the big league level. I think when you talk about the defense, uh, I think once upon a time, you know, there was no way he was going to be able to play left field or even first base. I think now he's definitely worked hard enough to the point where he should be, uh, you know, an adequate enough left fielder. You know, reports I got, you know, really pointed at his makeup and the fact that he's certainly cognizant as an individual of what his strengths and weaknesses are. and He's really willing to put in the time defensively and to really – uh, work hard on his game all around as opposed to just being a one-dimensional player. And I think Tigers people like that. You know, I think he's going to definitely get a lot of at-bats this year. And I think that defensively right now, you're looking at, you know, at best an adequate left fielder. But it's certainly, um, you know, a far step in front of where he was a couple of years ago, which I think was, you know, hey, where are we going to put this guy on the field? You know, it might not happen. You might have to hide him at DH for a while. Uh, so I think he's definitely made strides in that category. So given that he's made strides, what put him below, you know, maybe a guy like a Parker Meadows who there's tools, but he's so far away as opposed to a guy who's, you know, potentially a big league ready, you know, middle of the order type back? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think for me, there's just a difference, I guess, the, the way I view it and in terms of the reports I got that, you know, if Christian Stewart even does make it and he lasts in the big leagues, you're still looking at a power-first guy 
that potentially gets on base a bit but doesn't impact the game in other ways. I think with the, part, the reports I got in particular, like on Parker Meadows, were that you could be looking at you know potential four or five tool kind of guy that sticks in center field, could even be a 2020 guy in the future. And so I think that high level of um, you know that uh, that ceiling for Parker Meadows kind of separated the two for me. Uh, you know, obviously Christian Stewart is way close to being into the big leagues, and I totally understand that. But I think the one-dimensional power tool where, you know, maybe he doesn't have any impact. He could even be a negative, you know, and in, in at the big league level with how fast the game moves. And if that's the case, you know, I just don't see how he has any more value than a guy like Parker Meadows or the other guys that are higher up on the list. Understandable. When you were putting the final touches, because sometimes, you know, when we put together these lists, obviously the top is the most important, but sometimes it's a lot harder to figure out who's number 10 than who's number one. Uh, how many yeah. guys were really in consideration for this top 10 total, would you say? Oh, overall, um, that's a good question. For the overall top 10, I'd say I had in consideration about 15 guys for the top 10. Yeah, that would be, I'd say that that was kind of the total. I mean, the guys that kind of came close, if we're going to talk about them, I'd say the guys that were kind of just just barely missed that top 10. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy like Wenzel Perez, you know, an athletic middle infielder. Um, a guy like that, Cody Clemens, who they just took in the draft. Um, that's the second baseman who's got a good, pretty good hit tool. Um, Jake Rogers, catcher, uh, good defender. Uh, you know, that's, that's a guy that was considered as well. Um, again, to, maybe to a lesser extent, Sergio Alcantara, who is a defensive first guy, plays with a lot of confidence, you know, future plus-plus defender up the middle. And then Gregory Soto, who's a big lefty, big arm, big stuff, has difficulty kind of throwing it over the plate. But again, those that little group, that cluster that I just mentioned, those guys were all in consideration as well for like the eight, nine, ten spot. So you'd say there were the seven, the top seven were pretty securely in there, and then it's kind of that eight, nine, ten was sort of fluid. Yeah, eight, nine, ten kind of moved on me a little bit more than I had expected. So, absolutely, absolutely. Overall, you know, you look at this system and uh, in part by virtue of having, you know, high, a high pick and a couple of, right. uh, of trades they, they've made as they've moved away from right. some of their, their older core. Obviously, uh, it's been buttressed a little bit here with, with some of these new prospects. Just when you look at the right. system overall, you know, where does it stand for you? You know, solid, uh, you know, where the strengths, weaknesses, just how do you kind of, you know, big picture assess the Tiger system right now? Yeah, so the Tiger system, I think, you know, I, you know, as you <clears throat> alluded to, when you pick that high in the draft, you know, you, you obviously want to hit that guy and you want to make sure that that's a, that's a potential franchise-changing player for you. I think for me, <clears throat> the system, I would grade it out as solid. I think that there's guys that if you look at, at in the system, you know, Alex Fido, I think is certainly one of them. I'm kind of quickly flipping through my list here. Um, Franklin Perez would be another one. There's guys that have kind of taken steps backwards, whether it's injury or just sheer performance wasn't that great. And then I think that guys that they've added, there's obviously some risk to those guys, you know, Parker Meadows, et cetera. Uh, that for me, I do think it's solid. I think it took a step in the right direction overall. Uh, I don't think it was a big leap this year by any stretch. I think that uh, organizationally, the next, you know, big Tigers team, the next really strong Tigers team, uh, through player development is really going to be built on 
starting pitching. I think the next wave you're going to see is going to be the middle infielders. Uh, you know, the guys like Juan Perez, Isaac Paredes, Willie Castro, Sergio Alcantara, those guys are going to come up and they're going to be given a chance to show what they can do. And then I think lastly after that, you're talking about the athletic outfielders. You know, I think Daz Cameron could be pretty darn close. Uh, Parker Meadows, obviously another guy. And so they're going to work those into the outfield. Um, so I think for me, that's kind of that's kind of what the system looks like, you know, moving forward. Um, I'm trying to see here what kind of weaknesses are they looking at. I think potential weaknesses could be, you know, their catcher spot, I think, is a little bit up in the air. I think it is for a lot of teams. But I think for them, they, they might look at the catcher spot and say, hey, look, you know, we, we might have to bring in someone from the outside or try to draft uh, someone to, to take over that for Detroit. Um, again, you know, a lot of these things are fluid. But that's kind of uh, how, I, how I look at their, their system at the moment. You know? And I think as well, if I was to point at maybe any other weakness, we should be talking about the corner infield spots as spots that are weaknesses. You know, I don't know are they fully sold on anybody taking over at third or first at the moment. So we'll see. We'll see how all that goes. Yeah, I know they're in an interesting spot. You know where they are at the big leagues. If you look at their team right now, the only guy you really see uh, on the position player side that you say I could see him being a part of the next competitive Tigers team is really Nicholas Castellanos, uh, Jaimar Candelario right. to a lesser degree. But I think Castellanos, yeah. Castellanos is the only guy you look at and say, yeah, definitely this is a stud. Candelario, right. uh, there's things to like. We'll see how he improves, but. I would argue there's seven of nine everyday spots up for grabs in the Tigers lineup and maybe eight, and a lot of these guys are going to get a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there's going to be, you're going to see over the next two years, I think that there's going to be a lot of at-bats to be had. I think the first group of guys, from, what I, from my standpoint today, where I think they're going to be getting at-bats, the first group would be Christian Stewart and Dahl Lugo. I think that next group is probably going to look like um, Daz Cameron, Sergio Alcantara, uh, Willie Castro, and Isaac Paredes. But again, that depends upon you know what they view in terms of development. You know how fast they want to move him through the big leagues for being such a young guy up to the big leagues for being such a youngster. So I think for me, um, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of that fast to be had, and I think that's that's important for the development. You know, I think you got to not only are you banking on the the player development system. But then ultimately you're hoping that these guys have learned enough and they've matured enough to the point where they're ready to be impactful big leaguers and to hopefully build around that pitching staff, which you hope has Mize and Manning at the front of it. You know, regarding that pitching staff, as we've talked about, you know, to be a successful major league team, you can't have three starters. You really need to be five deep. And, and now I did the math last year. Uh, the average team used a, between 11 and 12 starting pitchers in a given season. Uh, similar to the Tigers' lineup, you look at the current rotation, the only guy you could really see having a, a future there is Michael Fulmer, and even he's been the subject right. of trade rumors. Uh, he's also coming off a, a bit of an, an injury-affected year. Um, you know, Matthew right. Boyd has been fine, but I don't know if anyone sees him as a bona fide part of the next contending Tigers team. Given that there right. are, you know, really – Say Fulmer's still there. You have Mize and Manning. Okay, there's your three pitchers, but you still need a competitive fourth, a competitive fifth, a competitive sixth to really get over the top. Do you see some of those guys in the Tiger system that can fill that spot, or are they going to have to start bringing some of those guys in from the outside? Yeah, um, yeah. As you said, I mean the, the pitching staff is obviously paramount. You know, if you're going to win, you know, pitching is a tried and true method of doing so. 
And as you said, you need to fill out that rotation. Yeah, I think, um, you know, they're really going to be looking at Bo Burrows and Alfido. You know, they're going to want one of them to step up and grab one of those spots. And I think they're talented enough to do so. You know, I think Bo Burrows might not be so far away. I mean, he's relatively mature. He's accrued a lot of innings. He was successful enough at double-A, and I think he can definitely take that next step forward and maybe take one of those rotation spots sooner rather than later, and that would be as a back-end starter. You know, I don't think they would ever ask him to be in the front or even in the middle part of that rotation, but I think if you penciled him in at the back, I think you need Alfido to be more consistent. You need him to get back the fastball um, in order for him to even be in consideration for this type of conversation. I think otherwise you might start to look outside, you know, and I think one guy that they might look at as well would be Gregory Soto, big lefty, big stuff. Command is shaky. That's a guy that could get some innings as well. Um, they're going to want to see how you know he adjusts to, uh, to big league hitting. So you know my, my my answer is a little bit mixed. You know I think Bo is the guy I would point at first going to the rotation. I think Al Fido needs to prove a little bit more, and then I think Greg Soto is kind of a question mark at this point. Is that a guy whose command is so rough that you put him out in the bullpen and you just let him gas it out for an inning? Uh, but I think they do have some options. Uh, but then once those options kind of fizzle out, you're talking about possibly importing guys from the outside. Absolutely. And I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, again, if Michael Fulmer can get back to his previous self where he was Rookie of the Year, followed by an All-Star. You know, Matthew Boyd, on the one hand, is 27 years old with a career five, ERA over five. But, you know, he did all right for himself last year, perfectly league average. And, you can stick that guy at the back of your rotation. So it'll be interesting to see both how the guys at the major league level can maybe either bounce back or continue their trend uh, in the cases of Fulmer and Boyd and then see if those pitchers can come up. Well, uh, Justin, thank you so, so much for joining us. I uh, have to ask, your first BA Top 10 experience, how was it? <laughs> yeah, it was, no, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, lots of phone calls, lots of moving guys around, lots of note-taking, but uh, exciting overall. I had a good time. Yeah, don't, don't you enjoy the laying in bed at night and going, well, maybe this, maybe I should move this, and <laughs> that, the constant tweaks. Yeah, that's right. You're always, you're always thinking about who, you know, who in front of who, you know, but hey, but that's what makes it fun, though. It makes it exciting, so. Absolutely. Well, Justin, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, everyone, you can check out the Tigers Top 10, BaseballAmerica.com right now, and look forward to a lot more from Justin, our, our newest edition. For Justin Coleman, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.